really thinking about flipping that script of is my idea valid is it helpful is it is it perfect and thinking about like could this idea be something that other people are thinking could it be something that they need to think about that hasn't been considered and really think getting outside of her just saying that like what is the impact of her question or her idea on that room on the individual of the room, the whole room as a team, on the organization as a whole. So could she be inserting something that is really important? And what's the cost of not saying it? Ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive? Each week, brand strategist, speaker, and author Maria Ross will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards. You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business. When you don't speak out, the world misses out on what could be your game-changing idea or your inspiring perspective or perhaps important cautionary tale. Too often, women and underrepresented people are too afraid to speak up and share their authentic opinions and experiences and actually make their organizations more successful. That's a tragedy and one my guest today is out to avoid. Hope Timberlake is a speaker, trainer, and author who focuses on the communication side of leadership. She's passionate about persuasive messaging, relationship building, executive presence, developing others, and elevating the voices of women and those underrepresented in leadership. Her book, Speak Up, Damn It, How to Quiet Your Fears, Polish Your Presence, and Share Your Voice came out this month, and you must read it. Today, we talk about what speaking out and authenticity really mean. It doesn't mean letting it all hang out, folks. We talk about what holds even the most extroverted among us back from expressing our ideas. And we discuss how empathy is the key to getting over some of those fears and framing your idea in an effective way that resonates with your audience. We even attempted to puzzle out why there are many good leaders out there who are good at getting the job done but are horrible at communication. Perhaps you may know some. Hope works with executives and their teams across many industries at companies including Airbnb, Autodesk, Bank of America, BlackRock, Dropbox, Intel, PlayStation, Splunk, and many scaling startups. She is a go-to on this topic. So stay tuned for a fantastic conversation about how to speak up and speak out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today and say hello to my fabulous guest, Hope Timberlake. Hi, Hope. Hi, Maria. It's so good to have you here. I'm so excited to dig into this conversation, which is so needed by so many women and underrepresented leaders in the world, but I think also by everyone who, who might be afraid to speak up or speak out or feels like their contributions are not being heard in their workplace and possibly in their own personal lives. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. All yes to all of that. (laughs) So your, your new book that comes out this week is, uh, speak up, damn it. 
And I love that name, how to quiet your fears, polish your presence and share your voice. Something I have never been accused of not doing (laughs) for for better or worse, but tell us about, um, first let's talk about what we mean by speaking up and speaking out, because I think sometimes folks use that as as an excuse for brutal honesty in the name of like, I'm being authentic and Uh I'm, I'm speaking my truth. Yes. Um, I, I had a family member in the past that I no longer have as a family member mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who took that tact that yes. it's, it's really just about no holds barred. I speak what I want when I want, whenever it comes to my mind, tell us what you mean by speaking out and who you're actually talking to with your work and with this book. Oh yeah. Already. That's a, that's a rich question, Maria. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. A lot of people think that speaking up is the same as authenticity, which is the same as radical candor. And we wind up saying, I could just say whatever I want, whatever's on my mind, and I am authorized to do so. And sure, you can, but <laughs> doesn't mean you should. Does not mean you should. No, exactly. In writing this book, I interviewed a woman who is based in Tennessee. She's a, a um, supply chain manager. She is African American. And she said, Look, here's the thing about authenticity. I choose to bring parts of myself to work each and every day, but guess what? So should everybody. She says, they don't want to see what I'm like on Monday morning when I'm trying to get my kids ready for school. They don't want to see me on Friday night when I'm letting loose. So yes, there needs to be some recognition that we want to be more authentically ourselves and we want to be able to share our voice and share ideas. And that's incredibly important, but it gets mistaken to say that you can just let it all hang out. Right. And that's not what I'm saying. Right. And, and you know, yeah. there's always that time and place for, I think it's more about actively lying about who you are versus being able to selectively show appropriate sides of yourself yes. in a given situation. Would you say that's accurate in terms of authenticity? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You're not, you're not trying to be a chameleon to the point that you have no backbone and you are just melding in with your environment wherever you go. But if you take stock and like, what's really important for me, what are my values? What do I care about? And then think about like, what are the consequences of me sharing that? And what are the consequences of me not sharing that and thinking about how do I find that right, that right place of Mm -hmm. being true to who I am and what I care about and knowing that it will be received in the way I intend it to be received. Right. And I think, you know, the kind of speaking out you're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, is more about if you have ideas or you have a differing opinion or you have a diverse opinion, especially in a workplace environment, being brave enough to express that Mm -hmm. because it actually can move the business forward. It can move the company forward. They've done lots of studies that diverse viewpoints make for better business decisions. And so if we have a group of people who are all too afraid to speak out and speak up about what they see or, you know, Oh, is this move really the right move? Or, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. That's the kind of speaking out you're talking about, right? Absolutely. And you're exactly right. Some of it's based on that research that there's more innovation, there's less risk, there's more profit, more creativity. People are happier when there are more ideas circulating. And then also, of course, the more people who are sharing their ideas from different backgrounds, different perspectives could be from because I'm introverted versus extroverted could be because I'm from a different background, whatever it may be, we're going to have a much more interesting leadership. And so being able to get those voices out there in a way that will be heard 
and in a way that changes the dynamic of, of the organization. I love it. And it's really interesting that so many of the benefits of that are also benefits of having an empathetic culture. Yes. Innovation, employee yes. morale, employee engagement, all, all the, all the goodness, right? Oh, absolutely. Empathy is, empathy is, is king or so, queen. Exactly. What stops people from speaking up? Yeah. So is this an issue, you know, is this an issue only reserved for introverts and shy people or you oh, know, are there yeah. lots of other reasons? What, what do you find to be the most common thing, especially with the groups of people you work with? Cause I know yeah. you're really committed to helping people that are underrepresented in leadership yeah. and having a voice, but across the board, what do you think stops people from speaking up? That's what's so interesting, Maria, is across the board, people think that, okay, I have a higher title or I have more tenure. I have this great role that I'm going to be brave enough and I'm going to share my ideas. But one of my favorite clients, partly because she's a good friend, came to me. She is, she runs a company and she, her name is on, her name is on the top. And she came to me very worried because they have to go they raise more funds. And here she is kicking it doing amazingly well in her day job. But then when it comes time to go talking to, to talk to investors, to show what her plan is, it's not necessarily her wheelhouse. And she was terrified. And it was a million versions of the inner critic around, uh, I am, it's, it's a, she's in retail. So I, I know the retail business inside and out. I can help with the planning of the spring collection. But when it comes to talking about how they want the financing to look, that freaked her out. So having that inner critic is universal, mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome. And so, so often we take, ironically, even the most empathetic people, we take this idea of like, oh, I want to present to this group, but we turn that intensity inward. And we are hypercritical. We're hyper-focused of like, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. They're not going to like it. Who am I? I don't know enough. I'm not well-versed in the, the financing of these deals. And if instead we turn it outward and we think, okay, what are these people going to want to know? Why would they want to invest in this company? What's important for them? And really going back to the empathy, thinking about yeah. what's important for them versus like that whole intense right. inner critic happening. Right. I love that. And, you know, something that's helped me when I'm presenting in high stakes situations is verbally reminding, like out loud, reminding myself that they want me to succeed, even yes. if they might not, you know, it's like, I'm mm -hmm. going, you know, I'm doing a keynote or I'm doing whatever yes. they, they want to have a good 45 minutes yes. minute experience with me too. Yes. And so what yes. can I do to make that experience better for them mm -hmm. while still, you know, not thinking they're going to like immediately see all my flaws in the 45 right. minutes, but how do I, how do I create a presentation? How do I craft the flow of my talk so that I am, you know, entertaining them for lack of exactly. a better word? You know, what, what am I doing in this moment where I'm making them feel like this is a good use of their time? Yeah. And entertaining, meeting their needs, providing value, whatever it may be. What I think is really interesting too, Maria, is that when I talk to clients, especially those who are really scared to go into something and we do an analyze, does this audience support you? Do they want to hear from you? And 99 times out of a hundred, this is an audience that does want to learn something, hear something, hear a different perspective. Like they're not rooting for you to fail. Right. They really want, because they don't want to waste their time either. 
Like they're right. not, they're like, ah, this is a sport. I'm going to go watch Maria fail at this yeah. presentation. <laughs> they want to get something out of it too. Yeah. And once we break that down and realize my mm-hmm. goal is to add value. My goal mm-hmm. is to meet some, some needs of the people on the other side. Mm-hmm. It actually becomes more simple and more, more obtainable. Right. Right. And I think it's so important to know your audience. That's a big, yes. that's a, th- this way, you know, if you are talking to the right audience, if you can't yes figure out what they care about, or if you yeah. really think that what you have to offer has no bearing on their life or work, mm-hmm. maybe that's a group of people you shouldn't be talking to. Exactly. That's you're, you're sort of wasting your voice at that point. Eject. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Pull the ripcord. Um, and so it sounds like then what you're saying is this doesn't just apply to, to shy people or introverts or people who are quote unquote, afraid to present right. or afraid of public speaking. It right. actually can happen, you know, I mean, I can attest to it. It can happen the most, yeah. most extroverted yes. and gregarious among us that, yes. you know, we might think there's someone out there who thinks my idea is dumb or yes. thinks I don't know what I'm talking about or yeah. thinks that this is a waste of time. And yeah. I think the thing is to say, well, there might be, mm-hmm. but if you're actually reaching people and yeah. if you're, if, if your idea or your observation can resonate with even just a few people in the room, then it's probably worth bringing up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And and it's that you're not going to be everything to everybody, Mm -hmm. but if you can make somebody pause and think, oh, that's interesting or, oh, wow, I really needed that. Or that helped me get through my day, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, that is, that's, that's golden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so you've mentioned before that the key to being a good communicator is to think about and have empathy for your listeners, as we've talked about. Um, But I want to get to something that you mentioned in your work, Mm -hmm. that you deal with the communication side of leadership. So Mm -hmm. you're not just a leadership coach and consultant. You deal with the communication side of that. Can you explain that to us and why it's so important? Yes. So we can't be leaders in a vacuum. We're constantly working with people and that may be with colleagues, that may be with people above us and certainly as people who are reporting to us or we're working with. And the way we do that is by communicating. So, so much of what we do day in and day out is having to communicate verbally or on Slack or in meetings and being able to think about your audience, be persuasive, be able to think about what they need, all of those things. And that, that applies to if I'm a leader giving feedback to an employee or I am uh, sharing a report at a meeting and I need to get consensus or back to my friend uh, in retail, I need to communicate to get funding. And that mm-hmm. funding is going to help me continue with my brand and continue with making, making these, uh, these investors money as well. Mm-hmm. So almost everything that we do when we're, when we're working as a leader is working with others. And that's through communication. I am, I am constantly amazed at the leadership I see in different circles from from business leadership to, you know, my son's school to, you know, a community organization to like a sports program, my son might be participating in that these people are good leaders in terms of they're getting everything done, but they are horrible communicators. And what I find is that they, 
the big thing is they under communicate rather than mm-hmm. over communicate because mm-hmm. they, for some reason, either they don't think about it. They don't think people are having these discussions or asking these questions mm-hmm. or wondering about things. Right? right. Or they just, they think they don't want to be a bother. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's constantly yeah. surprises me that you can have these really effective leaders in all these other areas of getting mm. things done. Yes. But their communication style is so poor. What do you, what do you make of that? Is it just that we're elevated to these positions based on our acumen for what we're doing? Yes. And not on our communication skills. Yes. So you and I are in the Bay area and near Silicon Valley, and we both worked with a good number of tech companies and they're my favorite. I love all companies, but uh, we work with a lot of tech companies and there are a lot of people who are really, really smart engineers, task oriented, get things done. They're working on efficient processes. They helped us with all of our technology through the pandemic. So they're doing really cool things. And sometimes they're not thinking about the other part. Right. So as much as I defined the communication side of leadership as all the things that I use to define a leader, mm-hmm. to your point, not everybody uses that metric to define a leader. Mm-hmm. They could say, oh, well, they've, you know, they've produced this much. They've done this much. The agile systems this quick, all the different things that they've done from a task perspective, a program perspective, but not actually from a people perspective. Right. And I find that so interesting because these yeah. are the same people who read all the management books yeah, right? and the, they have them on their bookshelves right? and they hear the stories and they're inspired by good communicators. They're inspired. So, but it, it's the, I don't know where the disconnect is of like, well, you need to develop that skill in yourself. Right. right. And sometimes that means just asking, just asking the questions. Like I'm even surprised by sometimes when, when something is going on, whether it's a crisis or just a major change, mm-hmm. how simple it is to mm-hmm. just create like a 10 question FAQ, Yes, send it out. Yes. And what they do is they field all the individual emails and requests from people with that exact same question, mm-hmm. spend all their time doing that. Right. And they don't put together, oh, if these people are asking, maybe everyone else has this question, uh-huh. I should put out a piece of communication. And I know yeah. over the years in different organizations I've been in, that's one place where I'm always like, would you like me to put together an FAQ on this? You right. know, and they go, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Like it never right. occurred to them that yeah. there has to be a communication that they put out, not just a right. communication that they address coming in. Yeah. It's so interesting, Maria, because I think that there are, like, I've seen it from two perspectives. One is that perspective of like, I'm moving so fast. I'm not even stopping to think, oh, what's happening. And this is where your empathy is so important. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. I'm just reactive and I am not seeing downstream what's happening. Right. And that, yeah, function of moving too fast, a function of the way they process and communicate, but regardless building in that time of like, let me reflect on how I spent my week and how many emails I wrote and, and how, what they were focused on. And right. could I streamline this? Yeah. And then there's another version where I've worked with a, a leader in a biotech company and they are dealing with a lot of change, a lot of, there's a lot in biotech around mm-hmm. just so many uh, regulations and government approvals and not. And this individual had a hard time as a, it was a woman, she's great, had a hard time giving updates when they would get either a roadblock or they would get a green light. And I asked why, you know, why she wouldn't just proactively communicate. And she's like, well, I don't have much to report about it. I love that answer. <laughs> you just got some news. And she's like, right. yeah, I don't have anything more to say about it. I was like, 
So you're just going to sit on the news and you're not going to, it's, yeah. um, it's interesting. And it's, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's like that idea of like, I either am not stopping to, to, to really focus and realize what I'm spending my time on and what my people need, mm-hmm. or it's like, maybe I need to control the whole thing and understand it perfectly Yes, before I before I uh, communicate out. I see a lot of it manifesting as the control thing. And mm-hmm. also the, the, if I don't have anything new to report, I yes. won't, I won't report anything, but it's just letting people know that you're still on it. Right. Yes. This is like so true with the pandemic last year yes. and like my son's school. And it's like, no, you don't have to have all the answers, but no check in every week to say, I still don't have an answer yet. We're still working. We're still on, here. That's, we're we're still it. here. We're like, yeah. so it's, it's the waiting and the not knowing yeah. that, that that's the vacuum where rumors start flying and people start yes. freaking out and they start. And of course they jump to the worst case scenario of in course, the absence always. of or information. Right. Um, yeah. so, you know, we talked a little bit about this, this idea of many people thinking speaking up is about sharing your ideas unapologetically, yes. <laughs> but let's talk about a real world scenario. So mm-hmm. let's say you are a woman or mm-hmm. a person of color or, or a, a underrepresented person in your company, and you're in a yeah. group meeting yes. and you have a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some exercises or things that someone who's a little scared of jumping in and sharing their idea, especially in that situation where you feel like the minority in the room? Yes. What are some ways you help your clients get over that hump? Are there mantras? Are there mindsets? Yeah. Like share with us a little of your secret sauce. I know it's all in the book, but give us yes, it is all, in the yeah. book. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I'm happy to share with your listeners. So absolutely starting with the mindset and, and thinking again, Last week I was with an executive. So she would be, she would consider herself an only in the room Mm -hmm. and maybe because she is, she's the youngest woman in the room. And so she feels different and doesn't feel as experienced or as worthy as the Mm -hmm. other people. And then we, we talked about a couple of things. It's for her really thinking about flipping that script of, is my idea valid? Is it helpful? Is it, is it perfect? And thinking about like, could this idea be something that other people are thinking? Could it be something that they need to think about that hasn't been considered? And really thinking, getting outside of her, just thinking about like, what is the impact of her question or her idea on that room, mm-hmm. on the individual of the room, the whole room as a team, on the organization as a whole? Mm-hmm. So could she be inserting something that is really important? And what's the cost of not saying it? What's right. the cost of not including it? Right. I love that. And then for her, she had to also feel like she couldn't get to a place yet where she could be assertively sharing her idea. So the next step we took is why don't you ask a powerful open question, open-ended question? And we crafted them in advance, thought about, okay, what could you ask that could illuminate the idea that we haven't explored this part of the business? or we could explore something new that we haven't yet talked about. And so we came up with some open-ended questions around, would you consider looking at this strategy in addition to the strategies that we're, we're already considering? Mm-hmm. Or what other strategies might be interesting for us to, to mm-hmm. consider? And having it be that sort of tiptoeing in versus mm-hmm. diving in can mm-hmm. be an easier way to build her confidence, build her credibility in mm-hmm. sharing her voice at these meetings that intimidate her. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, I've worked in a lot of different workplaces and sometimes it's okay to get that reputation as being the, the stirrer. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And so it actually can be a fun thing to own of like in the meeting going, I know this sounds crazy, or I know I'm playing devil's advocate again, but right. And, you know, just being able to say that it was, you know, being able to verbalize it and being able to put it out there. And it doesn't mean just because you speak up, it's going to get accepted. I think the important thing here is that we make the attempt Yes, because it's, again, it's just about showing another viewpoint and showing a diverse opinion Yes, that maybe we, we are like, oh my gosh, we hadn't thought about that. That's amazing. Let's work on that. Yeah. Or it could be, there could be a very valid reason why, you know, very interesting point, but yes, you know, but it's, it's not being afraid of the, but it's not being afraid that exactly you might try this and overcome your fear and throw Mm -hmm. that idea out there. And you might get very good reasons why that's actually not a feasible idea. And it doesn't mean you never speak up again. No, in fact, think about the doors you've opened for other people to share their ideas or, or for the leaders to think, okay, that particular idea wasn't so great, but there are so many other ideas out there that maybe we should be creating the space. Yeah. And what you said too, is so important too, is like divorcing the outcome from the input. So like what you're sharing is you were sharing for the purpose of sharing, of flexing that muscle, of sharing your voice, sharing your ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Whatever happens is fine. That's hard to do. It is hard to do. It's hard because you want to be right. Of course, we all (laughs) want to be right. And you want to be the hero. You want to be the one that's like, that's brilliant, Hope. I can't believe you thought of that idea. That's amazing. Yeah. I joke in my book that, that I used to worry about writing this book and people would read it and they would be like, oh my God, those ideas are terrible. And I don't like those ideas. And these are better ideas. And these are all these reasons why they're wrong. And then I worried that no one would read it. I was like, okay, I just have to not worry about what happened. I just need to go and write it because I know it will impact somebody's life in a positive way. It already has someone somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And just be like fine with that process of I'm putting this out in the world. Right. I think, you know, and and speaking up comes in so many different forms. Like you're saying, it comes in writing a book or doing a podcast or speaking up in a meeting. And I have had constant moments of doubt in my life. I've written three books. And Mm. I remember when I wrote specifically when I was writing my book about my brain injury recovery, rebooting my brain. I remember thinking, who am I to write a book? Like, I'm not famous. I'm not, you know, someone, I'm not an influencer. Like, why is anybody going to care about this? And I wrote it anyway, partly because it was cathartic for me, partly was because it gave me an excuse to do some research into this topic that I wanted to learn more about. But there was something in the back of my head that I knew that if it could resonate with other survivors or caregivers, it would be worth it. Yeah. But I remember thinking that like, who am I to write it? It's just like another book. And, you know, I'd, I'd go on Amazon and I'd see all these other books about recovering from brain injury, which you right. should never do when you're writing a book, right, you exactly. all the other books about your topic. Totally. And I remember, um, and I think this is important to understand that you always bring your unique perspective to yes. something, because I remember in the early days when I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Um, I remember telling a girlfriend of mine that I, I, I didn't know if anyone was going to want to read a book that I wrote about my brain injury recovery. And, um, I was like, it's been done before. Like how many other books are out there? And I remember her going, Maria eat, pray, love was just about a woman that got divorced (laughs) and took a trip. And she was like, how many times have we heard that story? And I was like, 
my God. Like I got goosebumps. I was like, you're right. She's like, but tell your story in your voice. And it's going to resonate. There's, there's, you know, there's always haters, Mm. even when you write a book about a medical recovery. Right. But, um, it's, it's going to resonate with someone. And so I think that that's the thing is like recognizing that you're adding value by expressing or putting that art in the world or expressing Mm -hmm. that viewpoint or speaking up simply by virtue of it being your unique perspective on the topic. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And having, having that, that bravery to do so and that realization that there aren't, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just my thoughts, my perspective, Mm -hmm. and that's important enough. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, that's the thing with, you know, especially when I was in the corporate world, a lot of times it was like, I see a risk here. I need to speak up and say something. And if that risk is no big deal, fine, but at least I can feel good that I brought it up. Right. And then if, you know, the company wants to hang itself, they can, hang itself. (laughs) but I was, you know, I was smart enough to bring that up. And so, um, but you do, you can kind of get that reputation and back to your, the point you made earlier, I can't remember what you said that sparked this, but it's also this idea of you also don't want to build a reputation of not contributing anything Mm -hmm. because I remember working with super talented people who were good at quote unquote, their jobs. Yes. But I remember upper executives saying, well, that person's not really a change maker. Mm-hmm. They're great at doing what they're told, yeah. but they're not a person that's going to like challenge the status quo or make us greater than we are. And yeah. it was, it was nothing bad about that person. It was just that person never contributed anything new. Right. And they probably could have, they had a yes. lot of experience and they just, they built this reputation because they never yeah. brought the opinions or, or brought forth the issues and the crazy ideas and the whatever. And so mm-hmm. it was like, okay, you're a good soldier, but you're never right. going to be a general because you right. don't, you know? And so I thought how sad yeah. because that person had a lot to offer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you just say like, try it once, try mm-hmm. it once, just, you know, dip the toe in, <laughs> dive into the shallow end or maybe dive, jump in the shallow end, uh, but just see, see how it feels and, yeah. and see what reaction you get. And you may be surprised. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the book. How's the book organized? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the book is very exercise driven. So okay. it's intended what you just said actually reminded me too. A lot of people, not just women, but a lot of people are very good at their job and they can follow the different tasks that are listed in their job description beautifully. But then when it comes time to elevating themselves, being more visible, contributing in a way that's not clearly defined on the job description, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So this is the three parts of being able to quiet that fear. Mm-hmm. So the different exercises focused on that so that you have that confidence to be able to share your voice. Mm-hmm. There's the, the section on polishing the presence. And those are very much of those, those standard presentation skills type of things. Uh, instead of gestures and body language, which are in there, I really focus on the power of pausing, the importance of connection with mm-hmm. your audience mm-hmm. and uh, energy. So focusing on those three things versus so many people ask me about like eye contact and gestures and body <laughs> language. And yes, but like, if you're not pausing to think, pausing to capture the attention, mm-hmm. pausing to listen, right. connecting with others and bring energy to your ideas. They're not, it doesn't matter what your gestures look like. Right. 
And then the last thing is around really the content of being able to be persuasive, thinking about the audience, crafting it persuasively. So it's 13 chapters of complications at the end, how to overcome those complications. I guess it's the 14th chapter and <laughs> going through with a story at the beginning of each chapter, some in- interesting research and lessons, if you will, and then lots of exercises you can do on your own mm-hmm. or you can pair up. We have a master class that we offer that helps you bring these exercises to life. Nice. Nice. Can you share with us one of like your favorite complications? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know uh, if favorite is the right word. But, I know that is, know, a, that like is a juicy a one. Word. I know. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So I, I talk about the complications being twofold. One is the internal complications of uh-huh. we have perfectionism. We have, we have hangover, vulnerability, hangovers, all those things. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the external uh, complications now. Yeah. Those are the interrupters, the mansplainers, the heap eaters, all the people who come <laughs> in and don't let you get your ideas out. Yeah. So yeah, we have lots of, of sample scenarios and ways in which you can help prepare. And I'll, I'll, I'll go with a positive approach. So okay. there's some of the hip checks are the ones where it's like, Hey, back off, you know, right. dude, I actually know how to look at a profit and loss statement, but if I have yeah. any questions, I know who to go to Yeah, you have all those, like anywhere from genuine to snarky responses. <laughs> One of the things I really like is for people to really be proactive at communication and set up their, 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 their communication. Well, so if you're going to report out in a meeting, rather than just diving into the details, be like, okay, I'm going to share with you my new ideas for this product line. And the way I'm going to do it is review the old products that we've had talk about the different new products that I think the line needs, and then I'll open it up for questions. So setting some version of like expectation around, sure, you could call it an agenda, but really more around like the ground rules, the ground rules. Yeah. And I am amazed that people knew, but people really senior in the organization don't always set those ground rules. So are we supposed to contribute? Are we supposed to ask questions? Maybe we're supposed to interrupt, or maybe we should be quiet and wait till the end. And how easy would it be if everyone just said, okay, here we go. I'm going to give you the update. And this is a really collaborative process. So please type in your ideas in chat, and then we'll spend 15 minutes at the end reviewing all the ideas, Mm -hmm. whatever those ground rules are. And that to me feels like, wow, you could overcome a lot of complications if you could just set that out front. Yeah. I've learned that as I've gotten older and have presented more that it's so important at the beginning of the meeting to give people an idea of how you want them to participate and that it shows that you have command of the meeting, you know? So if it is, feel free to jump in whenever Mm -hmm. we'll address questions as we go, or please jot down your questions next to you. And we'll have a Q and a at the end or whatever it is. I, I find that that's so helpful. I, I run all day brand workshops for my clients with like unwieldy groups of like 12 to 14 cross-functional executives. And I have to have a slide that says ground rules. And one of them is also about the approach I'm going to take. So nobody is taken aback. So one of my ground rules in my meeting is just know there will be tough love and it's Mm -hmm. by design. I will challenge you and I will provoke you. And that's so that you get a better output. Yes. And so I tell them that up front. So it's not a surprise when I do it. Like they don't know me, right? Right. My friends and my family know me, but they they don't know me. And so I don't want anyone to feel foolish or feel like they're being attacked. 
Right. So, and the great thing about when you do, when you set those ground rules at the beginning is you can jokingly refer back to them when exactly. people get out of hand. Right. Exactly. Uh, like I, I will often do that. If someone seems like they're getting it, I'll, I'll be like, don't get defensive. Remember ground rule, tough love, right. you know, and then right. everyone will laugh and it kind of deflates the tension. Yes. But I, cause I remember early on in my career presenting again, for someone, even as outgoing as me was, was, it was hard. And I still always get a flutter in my stomach. I think if you ever lose that flutter in your stomach, that's a bad sign, but I agree. But the ability to like predict what might go wrong and get ahead of it Mm -hmm. is so powerful to actually maintaining your own confidence in the situation. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's actually one of the things too, on the complications is having your bailout statement. So it's that statement of like, I am, people ask all the time, what do I do when I'm asked a question that I, I blank out, or I just can't answer. I'm like, we need to craft your bailout statement. So your bailout statement does not include an apology. It can instead say, you know, Maria, that seems important. Let me have some time to think this through, or let me go back to my desk or let me do a little research and get back to you later today. Yeah. Whatever your bailout statement is. Right. Think about it, craft it. And you'll be surprised how often you can actually use it in different contexts. It doesn't have to be like the perfect bailout statement for each scenario. Right. It's something that notice that, all right, don't need to include an apology. That is so good because I I love that. And it's also remember that you don't always have to have all the answers when you're presenting an idea. Cause sometimes just presenting the idea, you're the visionary. You might yeah. just be like, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. I have no idea how we're going to make it work, but I thought yeah. I would share it. Yeah. And maybe as a collective, you figure out how to make it work if it has enough traction. Yes. But you know, if you wait until you have the whole like rollout plan done in your head yeah. of how this is going to be feasible. And I've done the, the, the cost analysis and I've done this, like oh, it's worth just throwing it out there and seeing if there's interest. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. That goes back to that perfectionism. Just like put it it out there. Let's see what happens. It took me a long time, but I actually find that people, people, people think you're more confident if you're able to just say, you know, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. Or I'm actually not sure how that's going to work. I was just throwing this out as food for thought. Right. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about where folks can get more information Tell yes. us a little bit about the masterclass yes. and uh, where can folks go to get all the goods and find the book? Great. Well, everything is housed on my website. It's my name, hopetimberlake.com. Like, and like Justin Timberlake. Just I'm sure like you've Justin. heard that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I wish I could get paid for every time I'm asked, but sadly the truth is we're not related. Darn. Oh, I know. Darn. I know. I have, a, I have a funny little anecdote, but you'll have to like email me for, for that information. It's too <laughs> long. It's too long for the podcast, but no, we're not related. I did try to track him down though. Nice. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't respond, but my, the, the, the link to my book, the information about my book and the masterclass and all the good stuff is on that website, hopetimberlake.com. And the masterclass is really fun. I mentioned before with the book, there's so many ways of doing the exercises. And I find that doing it with a friend or a small group is very helpful for accountability, for feedback. Some of the exercises do ask to have a partner, but not all of them. Actually, most do not. But uh, having that either self-formed or through something organized. And so the masterclass is a four-week program that is some homework or exercise that you do on your own in between each week. And then you meet live once a week for an hour and you do these exercises together. You brainstorm, Mm -hmm. problem solve, get feedback 
from multiple people and it's really powerful. And then after they're finished, after they're graduates, we have lots of extra speak up labs that we offer to just keep in the process and keep practicing. I love that. You know, little idea for you is I remember years ago, um, Danielle Laporte launched yeah. a book called the Firestarter sessions. And part of what she encouraged people to do was to get together with a friend and yeah. work through and take pictures and send them to her and, or post it on social of yeah. you working through with a friend on your Firestarter sessions. So okay. folks should do that as they're working through speak up, damn it. Share of your book <laughs> and like show you doing the exercise. Exactly. And, and, and tag you on social. Um, we'll have that. your, we'll have all your social links in the show notes. Great. Um, I know some folks might be listening to the podcast while they work out or they drive. And so, yeah. um, we'll yes. have all that in the show notes and hope it's just been a delight. Like oh, your God. message and your work is so important That's because the more voices and perspectives and ideas we can unearth, the farther we can go. And so everyone, everyone has a unique perspective and a unique story and, and a unique idea to share. And, you know, for every 10 times you might get shot down, it might be that one time that that's the million dollar idea. Exactly right, Maria. Yes. Between empathy and sharing your voice, Mm -hmm. we can really change this world. We can. All right. Thank you so much for your insights. Um, everyone check out hope at hopetimberlake.com. And thank you all for listening to today's podcast. If you like it, please rate it and review it. Please share it with a colleague or a friend. And don't forget that cash flow, creativity, and compassion are not mutually exclusive. Take care and be kind. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empathy Edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time, remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success.